0: This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new
1: favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from Indicloud. Is Indicloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe.
0: Head over to intocloud.co/spring24. That's co, com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hi everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. The unsolved case that I'm talking about tonight is one of the first stories I've ever heard that really made me think of all the possibilities and still be left completely puzzled. It's a wild story, and it's one that I'd like to chat about on our month-end true crime Zoom chat. This is the story of 23-year-old Amy Lynn Bradley, who completely vanished while on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship in March of 1998. We're talking about a giant cruise ship here that was in the middle of the ocean. So there are limited possibilities to where she could have gone, while all of the passengers on board could either be a witness or a suspect. But several really strange events that have occurred over the years have continued to spark rumors as to what may have really transpired. Nonetheless, what happened to Amy on the ship remains a mystery, still to this very day. A little background on Amy before we jump into the facts of the case. Amy was born on May 12, 1974, in Petersburg, Virginia, to her parents Ron and Iva, and she was the eldest of two. She had a younger brother named Brad, and yes, that means her brother's name was Bradley Bradley, and I have no idea why anyone would choose to do this to a child, but they did. She was very close to her family, and in particular, to her brother Brad. The pair were really more like best friends. They did everything together. Her family described her as very friendly, very outgoing. She made friends very easily and always made sure to make other people feel included. She was described as being 5'6", 120 pounds, with an athletic build. She had short brown hair, green eyes, and several notable tattoos, including a Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball that was located on her shoulder. She also had a tattoo of the sun on her lower back, a Chinese symbol on her right ankle, and a gecko lizard on her navel. She also had a belly button ring. This is all very important information because as of 2022, Amy is still missing. Amy was well-educated and had graduated with a degree in physical education from Longwood University. She was extremely athletic and in very great shape. In fact, she had a free ride to university due to having a scholarship in basketball. Beyond that, she had worked for many years as a lifeguard, and she was a very strong swimmer, which will become important to our story later. Even though she could swim, she had this fear of open water. And trust me, I get it. It's not really the water or the idea of drowning that's scary. It's the vastness of the water and all of the potential creatures inside of it. So when her parents asked her if she'd like to join them for a cruise, at first she was reluctant. It took quite a bit of convincing, but she was going to be starting a new job at a computer consulting firm soon, so she thought this would be a nice way to get some downtime before she started working full-time. Amy was 23 years old when she joined her parents and her brother Brad for the cruise ship vacation. The family boarded the Rhapsody of the Seas on March 21st, 1998 in Puerto Rico, and the ship would travel all the way to Aruba, then to Curaçao in the Netherlands. Seeing as how they were from a fairly small city, this was going to be the trip of a lifetime, and I think it's so lovely that her parents wanted to spend some time vacationing with their two adult children. It just goes to show how great their family dynamic was. The trip started out fantastic. The family was having a blast. On March 23, 1998, the third day into the cruise was the night before Amy would disappear. During the day, the family rented a Jeep and toured around Aruba, enjoying all of the sights off the ship. Later that evening, the family had a beautiful dinner together, but Amy's father, Ron, would recall of a weird interaction that they had with the wait staff during the dinner. There were three waiters who seemed to take a special interest in Amy, and when Amy and her brother Brad decided to take off early from the dinner and head to the disco on the ship, the waitstaff asked Ron where she had gone to. When Ron asked why they were looking for her, reportedly they said that they wanted to take her to a local bar called Carlo's and Charlie's, which is the same bar in Aruba that Natalie Holloway would disappear from much later in 2005. At the time, Ron kind of shrugged the comment off, but it would become notable later. As I mentioned, while their parents finished up dinner, Amy and Brad decided to keep the party going. So they enjoyed the rest of the night partying at one of the nightclubs that was located on the ship. So I've only been on one cruise in my entire life, and it was from Miami to Jamaica, and we stopped in two ports in Jamaica. The way it worked was we got maybe five or six hours to explore wherever we had docked, and then we had to get back on the ship. All evenings were spent on the ship while we traveled from the port to port, which was fine because there was always fun events happening. There were restaurants open, drinks flowing, pool parties. Cruises are just an absolute blast. So I assume it was similar to the cruise that Amy was enjoying. A quick Google shows that the Rhapsody of the Seas cruise ship has at least seven different bars, in addition to the numerous restaurants that you can enjoy. There's also two massive pools. There's whirlpool tubs, spas, fitness centers, game centers, and so much more. Honestly, you don't even have to leave the ship to have a good time if you don't want to. So Amy and her brother Brad are having an amazing time drinking and dancing at one of the nightclubs, and they're even hanging out with some members of the ship's band. The band was called the Blue Orchid. Amy is seen dancing with the bass player, Alistair Douglas, who goes by the name Yellow. The pair danced the night away, and they were even videotaped repeatedly by a camera person who is producing a promotional video for the cruise line. So, we know that Amy did not get off the ship in Aruba. Instead, she spent her evening dancing at the disco on board. It is believed that both Brad and Amy entered their stateroom sometime between 3.30 and 4 a.m. Their door logs show that they both entered the cabin. Amy's father, Ron, said that he was sleeping, but he woke up when she came in. Amy told him that she was going to go sleep on the balcony because she wasn't feeling so great. Ron said, quote, She said she hadn't been feeling too well because of the motion of the boat since we left Aruba that evening. So she said she was gonna just stay out there and get some fresh air. Rob woke up again around 5.15 to 5.30 a.m. and he saw Amy sleeping on a chair that was located on their balcony. He said, I could see Amy's legs from her hips down. She looks like she was resting comfortably. I dozed back off to sleep. The balcony door was closed because if it hadn't been closed, I would have gotten up and closed it. Maybe 30 to 45 minutes later, around 6 a.m., Ron woke up again, and when he looked out to the balcony, Amy was no longer sleeping there. She was gone. She left her shoes and her identification behind. However, she had taken her lighter and her cigarettes with her. Which, to me, indicates that she was probably just going to go have a smoke and then come right back to her stateroom. And Amy's brother, Brad, kind of backed that up, saying that she mentioned disembarking when they arrived at the loading dock at Curacao to purchase some cigarettes. Unfortunately, her family would never see her again. By 7 a.m., Amy's parents and brothers searched the ship for her, but they had no luck in finding her. They reported her missing to the Royal Caribbean, and they were hoping that maybe she was on the ship just looking for some coffee. Now, according to Brad, and again, this is one of those instances where it hasn't been verified, one of the waiters approached him and told him how sorry he was that his sister was missing, which was really strange to say because he felt like, at that time, it was impossible for any of the crew members to know that Amy was missing. They had just reported her missing. So, did word spread that quickly, or did they know something that the family didn't? The ship had now docked in Curacao, and the family was concerned about Amy getting off the ship alone. So they asked the staff not to let anyone off, but according to them, the staff ignored their request and lowered the gangplank anyway. And I kind of get it. They have paying passengers who have excursions booked off the ship, and at this point, we don't really know if Amy is actually missing or if anything criminal has happened but I can imagine how frustrated her family would be. This opens up a much broader search area because it means that Amy could be on the ship or off the ship. Now, after there are alerts put out regarding Amy's disappearance, there were several people who came forward that reported seeing her that morning. Again, these are witnesses that think they've seen her based upon her photo, but nothing has been confirmed. At 6 a.m., two other passengers on the ship say that they saw her riding the elevator to the top deck. They say that she was carrying her room key, her cigarettes, and a lighter. Another potential witness said that they saw Amy, again around 6 a.m. that morning, near the disco with that band member, Alistair Douglas. The person who spotted them said that Douglas handed Amy what looked like a coffee. It was some sort of brown drink, and so he assumed it to be coffee. Another witness would say that they saw Douglas leave Amy and the area by himself. There was also a cab driver, so now a sighting off of the ship, that would later state that she approached his cab early that morning and said she urgently needed a phone. But again this sighting has never been confirmed and i'm not 100 percent sure that i actually believe this sighting there are a lot of people who could look like amy and i don't know why she would ever need to approach a cabbie looking for a phone it just doesn't make sense to me but it's something that was reported back on the ship amy's family was freaking out and according to them the staff was being really unhelpful Firstly, they ignored their request not to dock so that they could find Amy before anyone got off the ship. But they also ignored their request to make an announcement about Amy's disappearance, saying that it would upset the guests. So by the time they actually announced that Amy was missing, most of the guests were actually off the ship. I can't imagine how frustrating that would be. To be fair, the staff likely thought that this young 23-year-old woman was just wandering around the ship, maybe exploring or eating or swimming or relaxing or doing one of so many other things that she could have been doing. And she hadn't been missing too long. But I don't think that putting out an announcement would have really bothered people. And what's the point if the majority of the people are already off the ship by the time that they do it? It wasn't until early afternoon when the captain finally ordered a search of the ship. Staff searched through all 10 decks, all of the common areas, and all 999 rooms, but they didn't find anything. They called in the Netherlands and Tilly's Coast Guard to search the ocean surrounding the ship, but again, there was no trace of her. There was an extensive search conducted for four days, finally ending on March 27th with absolutely no sign of Amy. In the end, authorities believed the most likely conclusion to be that she fell overboard, whether accidentally or maybe she had jumped on purpose. Amy's family refused to believe that that's what happened. As I said, Amy was a trained lifeguard. She was a strong swimmer. At the time that Amy was believed to have disappeared, the ship was very close to the coast, so she could have just swam to shore if she had fallen over. There were also no witnesses who said that they had seen or heard anyone falling overboard, but there was also no evidence of foul play. Honestly, there was no trace of Amy at all. The search for Amy officially ended on March 29th, and her family had to return home without her, but that did not mean that they stopped searching for her. There are several theories and so many strange things that have happened since she disappeared that could point us to what happened to her. Amy's father, Ron, would recount that strange interaction he had with the waitstaff at dinner time the night prior to Amy's disappearance. At the time, he kind of shrugged it off. But after Amy went missing, he couldn't stop thinking about it. Why did the waitstaff take such an interest in Amy, and why did they want to take her off the ship to Carlos and Charlie's bar? In 2005, when Natalie Holloway would go missing after visiting the very same bar, this interaction with the waitstaff would become even more concerning. It probably felt like a really strong connection at the time, with these two women disappearing in the same area under very suspicious circumstances. But we now know that it was Joran Vandersloot who stalked, drugged, and murdered Natalie, and that it wasn't likely connected to the staff aboard this cruise ship at all. But the theory here is that maybe there were staff members that took a special interest in her and had some sort of sinister plan to take her off the ship and do god only knows what to her and that is always possible particularly because the family alleges that staff on the ship tried to hide having any sort of connection with amy after she disappeared When the ship's staff posted photos taken of all the dinner participants from the night that Amy disappeared, Amy's photos were missing, despite there having been several photos of her taken. Why would they go out of their way to not include any photos of Amy? It's just weird. Truthfully, if something criminal happened to Amy, just about everyone on that ship is a potential suspect. And most people have no idea just how common criminal activity like rape and sexual assault is on cruise ships. According to the FBI, sexual assault is the leading crime reported during a cruise. It actually makes up 55% of the crimes at sea that are reported. So, is it possible that something happened to Amy? Maybe an assault and she was thrown overboard in order to hide it? Some people think that's exactly what happened, whether it was a crew member or another passenger. One of the most well-known suspects being Alistair Douglas, the band member that Amy was seen dancing with all night. And again, there were several reports of people seeing the pair together again in the morning, but it's never been 100% confirmed. He was definitely a person of interest, and he was questioned by the FBI. He took a polygraph test, and I've seen some reports say that he passed it, and others say that it was inconclusive. Either way, he maintains that he has no idea what happened to Amy. His suite was searched, and absolutely nothing was found. There has never been anything to connect him to Amy's disappearance, so he's never been charged with anything. However, he was fired by the cruise line for partying with a passenger, so unless there is new evidence uncovered or a new witness comes forward, Alistair Douglas is sort of a dead end. (laughs)
1: the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go. And they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factor's chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like calorie smart, protein plus, and keto.
0: five months after amy's disappearance from the cruise ship comes our very first reported sightings and again these have never been confirmed these are people who claim to have seen amy so you have to take this with a grain of salt in august of 1998 A Canadian man named David Carmichael is vacationing in Curacao. He's enjoying some time on the beach near Port of Maria when he sees a woman who is with two men. This woman seemingly reacts to hearing him speak English and suddenly walks towards him. The woman appears to be terrified. It looked like she was about to say something to him, but suddenly one of the men she's with signals for her to walk away and gives him a threatening look. The woman and the two men walk over to a cafe where they're sitting on the deck, and Carmichael and his friend decide to grab a table near them. He says the woman continues to stare at him as if she's trying to get his attention. It's only later, when Carmichael is back at home in Canada, that he sees the story of Amy Bradley and says he is 100% sure that this is the woman he saw, particularly because he claims this woman had the same tattoos that Amy is described as having. He called the FBI and Amy's family right away to tell them what he saw, and he's worked with them a ton to try to confirm his sighting, including passing a polygraph and doing multiple interviews. But unfortunately, this information did not lead any further. They were never able to track down this woman. However, it did give Amy's family hope that she could still be alive, and this would only be the first potential sighting. Just five months later, in January of 1999, a Navy petty officer claimed to have encountered Amy in a hotel in Curacao called the Stellaris Hotel. So again, another sighting in Curacao, where the cruise ship was docked when she disappeared. And reportedly, this hotel is located in very close proximity to where the cruise ships typically dock. According to this man, he was sitting at the hotel bar, and a woman approached him, recognizing him as an American. She told him that her name was Amy and that she was being held against her will, and she asked if he could help her. The naval officer didn't understand the significance, and he basically just told her to go to the ship that was docked five minutes away. Again, the woman tried to persuade him that she needed him, but he just wasn't getting it. He didn't know who Amy Bradley was or that she was a missing person. Then, two men approached the woman and demanded that she go upstairs. The officer kind of shrugged it off, but he didn't know who she was until he saw her photograph on the cover of the July 2001 edition of People's Magazine. The hotel he was at was off-limits to U.S. military personnel, and it was known to be somewhat of a brothel. So, the officer didn't come forward with this information until after his retirement for fear of repercussions. Obviously, this is far too late for anything to have been done, so again, we cannot confirm this sighting, but again, this gave the Bradleys hope that their daughter was out there, somewhere alive. Which, unfortunately, provided an opportunity for people to take advantage of that hope. In the fall of 1999, Iva and Ron received an email from a man named Frank Jones. He claimed to have information regarding where their daughter was. He said that Colombian gangsters were holding Amy hostage in Curacao, but that he was a former U.S. Army Special Forces officer, and he had a team of ex-Army Ranger and ex-Navy SEALs ready to go in and save her. Sounds like a wild story, right? Well, the Bradleys fully believed in him, and they trusted him, mostly because he was feeding them a ton of information. And he really did have these military friends who were in Curacao working for him. He said that he had found an eyewitness, someone who had recently seen Amy in person. This witness was a cook and had perfectly recalled Amy's very unique tattoos. But they had also recalled hearing Amy sing a lullaby that her mother, Iva, used to sing to her when she was little. So, talk about pulling on a mother's heartstrings. He provided them with a series of reports on the latest sightings of their daughter, and you can only imagine how hopeful and grateful they must have felt at this point. Like, having their daughter home with them was just within their reach. Frank told her parents that he had sent two of his soldiers to Curacao to find Amy's current location— However, he said he needed more money to actually be able to rescue her and get her back to the States. At this point, the Bradleys got a little suspicious, and they asked him for proof that Amy was actually alive, that they knew where she was and that they were actually going to rescue her. And that's what's really disgusting here, is Frank found a woman who looked very similar to Amy and sent them a photo of her. So the Bradleys sent him around $210,000 to bring their daughter home. $24,000 of that came from their own pocket. Plus, an additional $186,000 came from a fund that was set up for Amy's search by the nation's missing children organization. After they sent the money, Frank told them to fly to Florida and wait for further instruction. The Bradleys stayed at a hotel in Florida for a whole week before discovering that the entire thing was a scam. One of the men that was situated in Curacao, one of those hired soldiers, became suspicious of Frank. He was being fed the same story by this Frank guy, that he was supposed to be watching a house where Amy was being held hostage. However, during the whole time that he was surveilling the home, he never once saw Amy. Eventually, the story started to crumble, and one of the soldiers called the Bradleys at the hotel in Florida and told them the truth of it all. Frank was a scam artist. He had never located Amy. The woman in the photo was not Amy, it was just an acquaintance of Frank's that he got to pose for the picture. The whole thing was a con to get money. Frank Jones was arrested and eventually pled guilty to mail fraud. He received only a five-year sentence and an order to make restitution, which in my opinion is a slap on the wrist, considering the pain and anguish that he put this family through. The case went quiet for the next several years. There weren't really any new solid leads coming in, and while the Bradleys were still hopeful that their daughter was out there alive somewhere, people started talking about other missing persons cases, and Amy's story just sort of went to the sideline. Until... year 2005 when the bradleys received an email that contained two photos of a woman who resembled amy of course her appearance was much different now she had long curly dark hair and she looked a bit older but that had only made them more believable as almost 10 years had passed in the photos the woman is named jazz she's wearing lingerie she looks kind of distressed and she's seen posing on a bed The creepy part is, these photos were found on a website that advertises all inclusive erotic vacations, costing around $2,700, offering free access to sex workers included in the package. For this reason, Amy's family believes that there is a strong possibility that Amy was taken off the ship that morning and sold into the sex trade industry. At first, It was really difficult for them to recognize amy in the photos because the woman has this completely different demeanor and just this sad tormented look on her face but the family hired an independent forensics expert and he told them that the picture was a perfect match for amy and again of course that is very subjective evidence there has never been any definitive proof that either of the photos were of amy so, have a look and let me know what you think. That same year, in 2005, a woman named Judy Mauer was on vacation in Bridgetown, Barbados. While she was in a bathroom stall, she heard two men and a woman enter the restroom and loudly begin to argue. So, she waited for a few minutes for the men to leave before exiting her stall, When she came out, she found a woman at the sink. She said this woman was very upset, and the woman told her that she was Amy and she was from Virginia. Judy noted that this woman looked just like those two racy photos that were found online, where the lookalike had the long brown curly hair. Seconds later, the two men re-entered the bathroom and forcibly removed Amy from Virginia. So she never had a chance to chat further, but she did notify the FBI and this is just another sighting of Amy that has never been confirmed. In 2010, a human jawbone washed up on a beach in Aruba. Initially, it was thought that it could be Natalie Holloway, the young lady who had disappeared from that area many years after Amy went missing from the ship. Tests performed did determine that the jawbone came from a Caucasian person, and the jawbone had one single tooth. But when dental records were able to rule out any connection to Natalie Holloway, they pretty much stopped testing further. They didn't test against anyone else that could be missing from the area, which is insane to me. At the time the jawbone was found, there were several other missing Caribbean vacationers, but for whatever reason, they didn't test it against their DNA. So we have no idea if this jaw belonged to Amy Lynn Bradley or someone else. That same year, 12 years since Amy vanished from the ship, she was declared legally dead. There was nothing concrete to state that she was alive, and it's really unfortunate because once a person is declared legally dead, the investigation basically stops. There's no more resources dedicated to finding her. While there is no active investigation, the Bradleys still hope that one day they will find out exactly what happened to Amy. They firmly believe that she did not fall overboard, that she didn't jump, and she wasn't pushed. They believe that she was taken off the ship that day and likely sold into human trafficking. Their hope is that she is alive and will someday return home to them. Amy's mother, Iva Bradley, said, quote, I just want people to know that when girls disappear outside of their country, they're disappearing for a reason. Sex trafficking is so alive and well, it would absolutely blow you away. We believe with every fiber in our being that someone took her and we want her back. The FBI is continuing to appeal on its website for more information on Amy and her potential whereabouts, and they're still offering a $25,000 reward for information anything that leads to the identification, arrest, and conviction of the person responsible for her disappearance. I'd love to know what you think happened here. There's so many theories with so many different potential sightings, and that makes things even more complicated. Do you think she fell off the ship that morning, or do you think that maybe she was pushed after something nefarious happened to her? Or are you of the same belief as her family, that Amy was taken off the ship that day and sold into human trafficking? I'd love to know what you think of the photos that surfaced on that website and if you believe they could be Amy. And then, do you think that Amy is still alive today? I'd love to hear your theories. This is one case that I want to chat about on our March end month True Crime Zoom chat. If you're new here, every month I host a True Crime Zoom chat where we discuss unsolved cases, ongoing investigations, cold cases, and any recent developments. You can find all of the details of our next chat over on my Facebook group. Just search for Serial Society True Crime Discussion Group and it should pop up. It's really relaxed, no pressure, no judgment kind of group where you can chime in with your theories and opinions on a variety of cases. I would love to see you there. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, and that's all one word. If you'd like more ad-free exclusive content as well as supplemental documents and details on all of the cases that I cover, make sure you join my Patreon page at patreon.com slash serialnapper. I also post two additional Patreon-only episodes over there each month, so go check it out. Until next time, stay safe, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye!